This is U.S. Senator John Ossoff. Hey, Atlanta, this is Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones. The new Shelley Winter Show here on WSB Radio, weeknights from 7 to 10 p.m. Keep up good work, Shelley. All people that love the truth got to be happy if the truth coming out and lies is getting exposed. That's just what time it is. 2024, folks. Hey, it's 7 o'clock. 7.05, actually. It's the Shelley Winter Show. Uh, I am uh, Shelly Winter. I'm here till 8.30 tonight uh, because we have Georgia basketball uh, comes on at uh, 8.35. So we're here till 8.30. Uh, please stay tuned to, for, through, through the entire show uh, until 8.30 and then stay tuned for Georgia basketball. Um, so I had an exclusive interview with... Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. this past weekend. Uh, we're going to play clips from that, and then tomorrow we're going to die deep, uh, do a deep dive into that interview for tomorrow's show since we had the whole set, three hours, seven to ten. But we're going to play some clips tonight for you. But I have to start here. Last night, uh, Donald Trump, in a, a, a convincing and uh, huge victory, historical victory in the Iowa caucuses. And so for those of you who may not have listened last night, which – Apparently was probably 99% of you guys. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I co- I did a special edition of the Shelly Winter Show last night, 10 to midnight, to break down the uh, Iowa caucuses live while they were while it was happening. But what we didn't have a chance to do because we're, it was you know it was in real time was we didn't know some of the uh, returns. We don't know we didn't know uh, you know uh, turnout numbers and things like that. So I'll cover that when we start here. What. Another thing that we could not know last night while we were covering the Iowa uh, caucuses, li- the Iowa caucus live, was because we couldn't scour all the media outlets. So we could only we had to wait till tonight. So I do want to start here with the Iowa caucus last night's Iowa caucus and and Trump's historic win, um, and then we'll get into RFK. So let me start here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, first of all. I talk about uh, people in the media kind of having sociopathic tendencies, right? So let let me tell you a story, right? A a sociopath, right? And you all, we all know people like this, right? You in your everyday life, you know people like this, right? And these are people. If you've ever been in a relationship, whether you're a female listening or a male listening, if you've ever been in a relationship, you've dated someone like this, right? Um, they can look you dead in the eyes, literally look you dead in the eyes and tell you something that you know, you absolutely positively know is a bold-faced lie. Yet, as you stand there listening to them, you almost start to believe it yourself. And that's what a sociopath is. A sociopath will stand in front of you and, and tell you something that you know not to be true. And they're so convincing, they're so good, that you almost start to believe it yourself. And I, I've had friends like this, I've known people like this. You know, I, I would hazard to say I had a girlfriend like this 25 years ago. You know, where were you last night? And you know where she was, and she stands in front of you, I was right here home, honey. I was just making some ramen noodles and some jelly, and I was just chilling. And you know she was out and about. But you stand there and you say to yourself, oh, yeah, she was home. Because you almost start to believe it. Right? That's what a sociopath is. These are, they're all around us. You know people like this. 
And that's what I thought watching the media, uh, watching the um, media coverage after last night. When I got up this morning, I went back and I pulled some clips, watched some old uh, media coverage from last night. And, and these people were sitting there telling us that a victory was not, in fact, a victory. They were telling us this. They were telling us this. Oh, he won by a record margin, but it was only 15% turnout. That doesn't bode well for Mr. Trump. Wait a minute. He won, but it was only a 15% turnout, so he didn't really win because only 15% of the people turned out. Only 2% of the total voting population in Iowa turned out. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, what are you talking about? He won. He gets the delegates. And what's interesting about the media when they do this is, do you know, historically, most elections have low turnout? In other words, truthfully told, historically, if you look at congressional races, particularly in Democrat strongholds, Democrat-drawn districts, anywhere in the country, you will find, particularly with uh, um, uh, incumbents that have been in that have been in office for a long time, particularly in Democrat uh, stronghold uh, uh, congressional districts, you will find turnout to be in the teens on a regular basis, and no one in the media ever says, "Well, only fifteen percent of the people turned out." They will never tell you that. But last night, they made it a point across all media outlets to tell us the world's low turnout, that bodes ill for Donald Trump. And what they were trying to say is not a lot of people turn out to vote because they didn't like Donald Trump. They failed to mention that it was 40 degrees below zero wind chill. They failed to mention it was in single digits, that it was snowing, it's raining in some places, it was cold. And that people decided to stay home. That has nothing to do with uh, Trump's popularity or lack thereof. It had to do with the weather. That's why it was low turnout. However, even with low turnout, low turnout has never been a reason why you don't say uh, you don't um, uh, praise someone for winning, except when it's Donald Trump. And that's sociopathic behavior. To get on television and talk to tens of thousands of people, I'm not even going to say in the millions because none of these leftist uh, CNN or MSNBC have millions of people watching, but n- no one can believe you when you do that because you're on television saying he won, but there's only one winner and then everyone else is a loser and you win, period, end of story. We don't have 80, 90% turnout in this country anywhere, anytime. It just doesn't happen. People are so uh, disaffected and disenchanted with the political system in our country for decades that we don't have high turnover. I remember meeting uh, years ago, I sat down with Stacey Abrams. This is when she was in the House. And uh, I had a meeting with her. And she was going through how they were going to uh, register voters across the state of Georgia. And one of the things that she told me back then was, if we register every African-American, just African-Americans, 18 plus, we can win every election in Georgia. And I remember back, I remember back then saying to her, however, Miss, I said, Miss Abrams, or Representative Abrams, you're assuming that after you register these people, they're going to vote for you or the Democrats. And she says, well, that's the idea. I said, but do you understand? Registering someone is one thing. Getting them to vote is another. 
And the reason why people don't turn out is not because they're not registered or they're dis or they're not uh, responsible citizens or that they don't care or they're stupid or they don't have knowledge of the issues. The reason why people don't vote is because they don't care because of you guys, not you specifically, Stacey Abrams, but everybody, Republicans and Democrats. But in this case, it was low turnout because it was bad weather. There's an old joke in the black community. You hear it all the time in black barbershops. Oh, I hope it doesn't rain on election day. You better hope it doesn't rain on election day. That's an old joke because it's bad weather. Bad weather keeps people at home. I asked the question last night. Would you, uh, the other night, on when I filled in for Mark Aram on Monday, I asked the question, would you go out and vote in 40 uh, wind chill factor, 34, 35, 40 degree below zero weather? Most people say, yeah, I'll go vote anytime. Well, that's the 15% that showed up. And Trump won. But these people, you got to pay attention. These people are psychopaths. When we come back, we're going to plan on doing a little RFK. But I do want to play two clips. One is Joanne Reed and one is Jake Tapper. And then we'll go into RFK Jr. So Shelly Winter Show, we're here till 830. Stay, stick with us. Don't go anywhere, please. Shelly Winter Show, ladies and gentlemen, live, local, topical, relevant, and always on point. So, going back to the Iowa caucus last night and the media coverage, I just find it interesting that people will see a victory and say, no, what you just saw didn't really happen. And we're going to see this for the rest of the year. You know, they're beside themselves that Trump won in record fashion in a snowstorm. <laughs> And it just, I got to tell you, I don't think there are 8, 10% of people that will go through hell and high water to vote for Biden. I don't think so. I, I really don't. But clearly last night told us there's a bunch of people who will go, go through hell and high water to vote for Donald Trump. They're biting at the bits to vote for Donald Trump. And that's what has them scared. But I want to play for you, listen to this, I want to play two clips from last night that I think is um, illustrative of what we're going to see for the rest of the year. And as I always say, it's a great damn time to be on talk radio, because this is why. Listen to this. This is uh, Joy Ann Reed. Joy Ann Reed. That this is a state that is overrepresented over by white Christians that are going to participate in these tonight. caucuses, yes. especially tonight. Um, I today, earlier today, reached out to Robert Jones, Robbie Jones, um, from the Public Religion Research Institute, knowing that we were going to talk about Iowa. And this is a hyper evangelical st white state. And he said the following to me Iowa is about 61% white Christian. The country as a whole is approximately 41% white Christian. And in Iowa, we're talking about evangelical white Christians. And he said the following. Because I asked him, what do they get out of supporting Donald Trump? Because he keeps losing, he keeps delivering losses and losses and losses. And he said the following, they see themselves as the rightful inheritors of this country. And Trump has promised to give it yeah. back to them. 
all the things that we think about, about electability, about, you know, what are people gaming out, or mm -hmm. none of that matters when you believe that God has given you this country, that it is yours, and that everyone who is not a white conservative Christian is a, is a fraudulent American, is a less... A less, a less real American, then you don't care about electability. You care about what God has given. So that's Joy Reid on on a on a major news network, not not uh, some podcast, not not you know some low watt talk station in West Bubble America. That's Joy and Reid on a highly uh, on a huge news. Station, news station, talking, saying that. So I thought about it, and I said, huh, I'm not white. I'm Christian. I don't know what evangelical means. I, I've, still, I've still not been able to figure out the word evangelical because I saw evangelicals in a church on Sunday, the day before Martin Luther King Day, watch a DA call everyone that's attacking her for possibly allegedly having a relationship with the guy she handed basically a million dollar contract to, which was not uh, uh, in any way, shape or form shopped or pitched or able to be, um, uh, you know, um, uh, people can, can, can submit, other people can submit. Uh, applications for that uh, that contract. I, I watched evangelicals in a black church. I watched evangelicals on Sunday, on Monday, go to Ebenezer and celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Those are evangelicals. They're not white, and those people vote wholly for the Democrat Party. And by the way, those people vote for a party that's done nothing for them, specifically. So I'm thinking to myself, huh, so these white evangelicals are different than black evangelicals only in that they vote for a different party. And then I thought further. I said, well, could a white guy get away for, get away with saying this? Could a white guy, could a white guy go on television and say black Christians see themselves as the rightful inheritors of this country? Because of all they've been through, I'm adding now, because of all they've been through, slavery and everything, you owe us, right? Reparations, you owe us. And you promise to give it back. All the things that we think about electability, about what are people gaming out, but none of that matters when you believe that God has given you this country. Well, it, it, none of that matters to evangelical Democrats that vote wholly 90-plus percent for, for Democrat politicians. Uh, none of care, nobody cares about electability. Just cared, cared about this. You want something back. And I just thought about it. How racist can you possibly be on television? And what's really fascinating to me, here's what's really fascinating to me, ladies and gentlemen. What's really fascinating to me is that this is an African-American woman, very good looking, by the way. Let me kind of sidestep right there. Joy Reid is a good looking woman. I mean, if I saw her, if I was single and I saw her in a bar, I'd holler. Then she opened her mouth and started talking politics and I'd run away. Hey, I got to go to the bathroom. I wouldn't come back. But the funny thing about this entire situation in her commentary was it's an African-American woman with blonde hair in her head. And I thought to myself, huh, there's some biting satire right there in that image. An African-American woman with blonde hair criticizing white evangelicals. I just thought it was hilarious. Jake Tapper also cut off Donald Trump. Listen to this. 
We're going to seal up the border. Because right now we have an invasion. We have an invasion of millions and millions of people that are coming into our country. I can't imagine why they think that's a good thing. Donald Trump declaring victory with a historically strong showing in the Iowa caucuses if these numbers hold. The biggest victory for a non-incumbent president in the modern era for this contest. A relatively subdued speech as these things go so far, although here he is right now under under my voice. You hear him repeating his anti-immigrant rhetoric. So he cut him off because he's repeating his, quote, anti-immigrant rhetoric. That's not what bothers me. What bothers me is Jake Tapper came in stating Donald Trump declaring victory. No, you already called the race, CNN. <laughs> These people are bizarre. These are the examples that I'm giving you of sociopathic behavior. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to get even worse as time goes on. As this election cycle heats up, it's going to get worse. That man is on his network that called the election for Donald Trump, starting his commentary over Donald Trump's speech by saying, there's Donald Trump declaring victory. And then going on to say his anti-immigrant rhetoric because he's talking about shutting down the border. <laughs> brace yourselves. Brace yourselves. It's the Shelly Winter Show. We'll be right back with clips from my in- exclusive interview with our Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Coming up in two minutes on the Shelly Winter Show, we're going to start playing some clips of my exclusive interview from my exclusive interview with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. That's next on the Shelley Winter Show. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. When the king and queen go out on the balustrades of their castle and they uh, and they see all their subjects fighting each other, they go back to the banquet hall and they pop champagne corks because they know nobody's coming over the wall for them. And so, the, you know, we're all in this orchestrated hatred against each other, Republican, Democrat, black, white, and, they, and the media, which is all owned by BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard. All of the other, you know, this orchestrated propaganda we get is, you know, you guys are supposed to be hating each other. And what I've said, I'm going to focus on the issues that bind us together rather than the ones that keep us apart. And, um, you know, and then lead everybody over the wall and take back our country. Lead everyone over the wall and take back our country. (laughs) That part. That part. How different? That was Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And one of the answers to my questions on Saturday. Lead everyone over the wall and take back our country. That part. How different is that to what Barack Obama said when he ran in 2008? And he said... I'm going to go to Washington and change Washington. How different is that than saying, I'm going to drain the swamp? 
How different? No difference. No difference than the Democrat who said he's going to change. Change. Change is going to come. Vote for me. I'm going to change it. And the next guy came along and said, vote for me. I'm going to drain the swamp. This guy says, vote for me. I'm going to go lead you over the wall and take back our country. This guy, let me tell you, I'm a Trump guy. I'll be voting for Trump in the primary March 12th. But then I'm going to listen for the rest of the summer. I'm going to pay attention and see what happens. See what happens with these legal cases. I don't think anything is going to transpire, but I'm going to vote for Trump in the primary. And nine times out of 10, 95% chance, I mean 95% sure I'm going to vote for Donald Trump in November. But I'm telling you, my second choice, my very close second choice is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Let me tell you who I am as a person. I want the guy that's going to knock everything down and start all over again. Because anybody in this country that thinks it's okay what's going on in this country, whether you're on the right or the left, you're just a party apparatchik. You just believe in your party. I believe in my side. My side is better than your side. And I'm quickly coming to the conclusion. Every single day, more and more, I'm coming to the conclusion that both sides are full of you-know-what. That's the conclusion I'm coming to. That's why I like Donald Trump, because he's not really part of both sides. Both sides hate him which is why so many of us like him, which is why a lot of people are going to like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., which is why the Democrats don't want him there. I understand now why the Democrats didn't want him to run in the primary. He would have obliterated Joe Biden. And not only would he have obliterated Joe Biden, but he's like, he can't be bought and sold because he's talking against all their sacred cows. Let me tell you, so um, I asked him, what is the what was the reason? How did you get in to the race. How did you decide to run for president? Here's was here here is his answer. The reason that I ended up running is because um, they, they, there's a pollster whose name is Jeremy Zogby. He's a, he's a, has one of the biggest polling houses, and he'd been polling my name without I never met him. But for some reason, he was putting me in his polls when he had, because, you know, when you add, when you do a poll, you have like 22 questions you can ask, and a lot of the politicians will only ask 15 of them. So whenever he had extra questions on his poll, he put my name in. And he called me or emailed me and said, I need to come show you these numbers. And then he came and we sat at my kitchen table and he went through them and I, he said, you could win the presidency with these numbers. And so that's when I went to Cheryl and said, you know, um, and and gave the idea. And it took, was that as a Democrat or an independent? Oh, no, a Democrat. Democrat, okay. And so that was his answer. A pollster told him, hey, you poll very high. And I understand why. It's Kennedy, who's been in the environmental fight for a long time, has been in the vaccine fight for a long time. He's got name recognition, and he's a Kennedy. Did I say that? He's a Kennedy. We got to go to break. Let's go take this real quick break, and we'll be back with some more from my exclusive interview with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So Shelly went to show, ladies and gentlemen, live, local, topical, and relevant, and authentic, and real, and honest, all those things. So Saturday... For those of you who are not, who don't know, I had an opportunity to sit down with uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. 
uh, to talk about his run for the presidency as an independent. Um, Before I play some more cuts, I do want to say this. So a couple my conservative friends reached out to me, and they were mad that I was talking to him. I hope you're not going to vote for him, bro. And they were mad. They, they had things to say. He's a bleeding heart liberal. He's this, he's that. And there was several of those uh, instant messages, emails that I got. Then Killer Mike, good friend of mine, came to watch the interview. He stopped through, actually, uh, to watch the interview. And he posted or he tweeted out about watching the interview. And his left-leaning friends came after him. And I thought to myself, wow. This guy pisses everybody off. Hmm. That's what piqued my interest. That, that's really what got me, hmm, let me pay more attention to this guy. Because I felt the same way about Trump in 2016. This guy was friends with everybody, and then everyone turned on him when he ran for president. And he was friends with all these people, but he pissed off everybody. He pissed off his friends who are Democrats, and he certainly pissed off people in the Republican Party, right? We knew this. We know this to be true. There's a whole group of people called Never Trumpers. So I said, hmm. I like guys like that. I like people. I, I'm drawn to people who piss everybody off. And so we were talking, and I asked him this question. I said, whom are you taking votes from? Every independent candidate, every third-party candidate that runs takes votes from one side or the other. So I asked him that question. Who do you think, who do you think you're taking votes from? And here's what he said. I'm drawing almost equally from both sides, but I probably take, uh, you know, if I'm at 24 points, which is what the Harvard-Harris poll puts me, I I take two extra points from Trump in that 24. I think that will change. I think the reason I take, um, I take more votes from him right now is because I've been on conservative TV because the conservative TV will let me on. Right. And the pod- conservative radio too. No, I'm just right. kidding. I'm just kidding. And the, and the, and the podcast, you know, my biggest constituencies are people who listen to podcasts. So I'm beating everybody. I'm beating President Trump and President Biden decisively in all Americans under 45 years old. I beat them decisively in independent voters, which are now the biggest voting block. Mm-hmm. And it's because those are people who listen to podcasts. And right now, I'm not allowed on liberal TV at all. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go on Michael Schmirkanish's show this week, and that will be the first live interview that I've done on on CNN in you know years. Oh, they'll they they've done one or two taped interviews with me, but then they cut them in the way that right. they you know want to cut them. And they're not going to let me talk unedited. And, you know, so this maybe is the beginning. And so basically what he's saying, he takes equally from both sides. And I believe that. I believe that because I saw the reaction from conservatives who heard that I was going to be interviewing him. And I I believe that because I saw the liberals reaction who don't want any kind of competition for Joe Biden. But I also believe that because. Democrats won't let the guy on the ballot. He had to run as an independent. When we come back, I'm going to, well, we have a couple minutes. When we come back, I'm going to play for you the answer to the question, why are you running as an independent? And then at 8.06, I've got Lance Lamberton, who is um, 
uh, to talk coming on to talk about the Cobb County um, tax increase uh, for transportation. Um, and then tomorrow, because we go off the air at 8.30, so I didn't want to draw out RFK too much tonight. But tomorrow, on uh, we're on for a full three hours, 7 to 10. We're going to dive, deep dive, into this exclusive interview with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So when we come back, we're going to play uh, for you uh, the answer to his answer to my question, why are you running as an independent? It's the Shelley Winter Show. We'll be right back. The Shelley Winter Show, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up at 8.06, Lance Lamberton Lamberton, uh, is going to be joining us to talk about the Emsplost uh, going on, the fight going on in Cobb County around a a one-cent sales tax increase. Um, And I'm a a Cobb County resident. I don't like it. Uh, But he's coming up. He's uh, head. uh, He heads up the Cobb Taxpayers Association. um, And he's going to be on with us at 806 to talk about this fight and why we should all be against it. Uh, But as I said, going into the break, um, I asked the question of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Why are you running as an independent? Um, Both political parties have, you know, have particularly since the Citizens United case in 2008 when all this tsunami of corporate money started flowing into Washington, D.C., I think both political parties have lost their way, and it's really what people call the uniparty. They're, they're all getting their money from BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard. They all get their money from the military contractors, from Raytheon, from Northrop Grumman, from General Dynamics, Boeing, and Lockheed, and uh, you know, they, if you look at the leadership of the Republican Democrat Party, they're all—all all of them are all in for the Ukraine war, which is a war that should have never been fought. That Putin has repeatedly tried to settle on very favorable terms to us. Um, and then, you know, the other issues—the the, um, the, the freedom of speech. Uh, you know, which we saw so badly compromised and the other constitutional rights during COVID. And then just the war on the poor. You know, I mean, the Democratic Party was supposed to be the the party of the poor, but it's been 30 years since the Democratic Party did anything for the poor. There it is. That's why... We're going to do a deep dive in this interview tomorrow, 7 to 10. Please come back tomorrow at 7 o'clock. We're off the air at 8.30 tonight. Coming up is Lance Lamberton to talk about this M-Splosh in Cobb County. But that's why. That answer right there is why he's taken from both sides. Don't be afraid if you're on one of the sides. Just fight harder to convince your voters that he's not who he says he is. But I think he is. I'm a Trump guy, but this guy I'm very interested in. We'll be right back. This is Shelly Winter Show. It's a Shelly Winter Show, ladies and gentlemen. It's a Shelly Winter Show, ladies and gentlemen. We're live, we're local, topical, relevant, and uh, we talk about everything. And now I want to pivot to some local news. In um, Cobb County... There is a huge fight brewing, and I am here to join that fight. 
Um, it's a mobility splost. Uh, basically, what Cobb County commissioners, Cobb County uh, uh, commissioners want to do is increase Cobb County sales tax by one by one uh, percent. So it's at six percent. Wants to go to seven percent um, in order to cover um, public uh, uh, mass transportation, mass transit. And so I've got Lance Lamberton. He is he heads up the uh, Cobb County Cobb County. Um, Cobb County Taxpayers Association. Um, he's also uh, worked in a Reagan White House as deputy director of the White House Office of Public Information, um, and he's been in George and Cobb County since 2001. Um, welcome, sir. Welcome to the Shelley Winter Show, Lance. Uh, thank you, Shelley, for having me. Not a problem. So, first, explain to people uh, what the M Splost is. What does that What does that mean? What is it? The official name of this referendum is called the Mobility Splost, and that's what the county, uh, Cobb County, is calling it. I think it's more accurate to just call it a transit tax. And the thing about calling it a mobility uh, tax or splost, and I don't know if your listeners know what splost means, but it means special purpose local option sales tax. And the problem with calling it a mobility splost is that it's a misnomer, because as I'll argue in this discussion, it's actually going to decrease uh, mobility in the county rather than improve it. So and the, it costs us a lot of money to do so. So, so Cobb County, they want to increase it by 1%? Move it from 6 to 7%. We currently have 6%, which gives us a little bit of a business advantage to surrounding counties. Right. That's what I wanted to ask you. So at 6%, uh, right now, Cobb has one of the lowest sales taxes in the metro Atlanta area, correct? That's correct. So that means if someone goes shopping in Cobb versus Fulton or Douglas or something like that, you're paying less of a sales tax. So that incentivizes people to spend money in Cobb. That is absolutely correct. And people know this because people follow their money. So let's go to the next question. Um, what is this money supposed to fund? I know we talked about mobility, but what specifically are the commissioners saying this is supposed to fund? What it's supposed to fund is building out a, a, a public infrastructure, mostly of bus rapid transit buses and expanding bus service uh, throughout the county. Uh, and they have special routes, about 110 miles worth of, uh, of uh, roadways or, or uh, routes are going to be added to it. And there's another thing they're going to include called uh, uh, there's a certain uh, thing that they, that they uh, produce where they can provide you with transportation, supposedly transportation from door to door. Um, but there are some problems with that. It's called microtransit. I forgot the name of it, microtransit. So this is what what they probably what they plan to do. It's a 30 year tax. And that's not a that's not a typo. It's rather absurd to think that we as taxpayers would commit to a 30 year commitment to build out infrastructure, which may be completely obsolete within 10 to 15 years. Absolutely. And when you say obsolete, you mean mass transit. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, and, and so what. So here's so let me play devil's advocate. Right. I know what the people who want this tra tax passed, they're going to say. I already know what they're going to say. They're mm -hmm. going to say that Cobb residents who are against this tax don't want um, African-Americans, Hispanics, minority group groups, poor minority groups to be able to use um, 
public transportation in Cobb, therefore they won't move there, and therefore they can Cobb County can um, stop the diversifying efforts that they're doing right now. That's what the people who want this tax to be passed. What would you say to them when they say it? Well, I look at it from another perspective. Is it, is it a good value for the money? How many people are going to be served by this uh, uh, expansion of mass transit, regardless of the of the color or ethnicity of the people who are going to use it? Uh, the problem is that the overwhelming majority of people paying for the tax uh, will never see any benefit. It won't reduce congestion, but it will make it worse. And that is because it will take resources away from projects that need to be funded that would actually reduce congestion and improve public safety. I can give you a couple of examples of them if you'd like. Yes, absolutely. Please do. Okay, here's a couple of them. The intersection between Cobb Parkway and Windy Hill is the most dangerous and congested in the entire state. By separating the two roads and putting the parkway under Windy Hill, we could save lives and reduce congestion. Another example is to realign McCollum Parkway so that it intersects with Kennesaw due west. This would likewise likewise reduce accidents and congestion. But if the county commits its resources and its tax resources into this expansion of mass transit, where is the money going to come from to be able to build out these these necessary uh, projects to reduce congestion and improve public safety? There simply won't be enough money. There will not be appetite on the part of the voters to pass the transit tax and then to pass another tax on top of that to build the uh, infrastructure changes that I suggest. And so and and those infrastructure change and the people, uh, the the buses or the transit, it's really just creating more congestion. Am I right? Well, just think about it when you're driving around and uh, you kind of get caught behind a, a city bus of some sort. Okay, you've got to wait for somebody, people to get off the bus and on the bus, and then you've got to figure out a way to get around the bus. But the most egregious part of it is with the bus rapid transit, they plan to have dedicated uh, routes, that meaning that nobody can enter the uh, particular guideway that would be used by the bus rapid transit. Now, if they've got the space and the resources to do that Why for a that? vehicle, for a vehicle that only uses that guideway once every 15 minutes, what would happen if we were able to use, utilize that space and expand uh, the roadway so that there would be less congestion? I am against this. Um, years ago, uh, I, uh, when I was on another station years ago, I was asked by a city councilman in here in Atlanta what I thought about SPLOST, uh, SPLOST uh, taxing, taxation for specific projects. And I told him, I said, I think any increase in taxes without the relevant um, a guaranteeing of providing that service is just a financial boondoggle. It looks good in the beginning. We're raising money for this, but it never stays there. And the money just keeps getting pushed in other areas. And the thing that you started off raising money for never gets completed, but you always have a ready built um, uh, uh, basket of funds paid for by the taxpayers. Um, Not all, but paid for by many, uh, not all, meaning not all your citizens, but just the taxpayers uh, that they never will realize the benefits from. Um, Well, can I just respond to that? Because you make a very good point. Absolutely. Go Um, ahead. The uh, the SPLOS under state law has to be a full 1%. So that means that 
there are some good projects that would be paid for by this cost, but then there would be a lot of unnecessary uh, add-ons that would be just simply put in there to spend the whole the whole penny, penny right. which, by the way, raises hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. So I tried a few years ago, we tried to introduce what we call fractional SPLOS so that the county could say, okay, we need money for that project, this project, and that project. Those are needed and necessary and not put in a lot of frivolous and meaningless and redundant um, projects, and I could we could spend a lot of time talking about those. And it's <laughs> and, and also those fractional um, uh, SPLOS uh, uh, rates would not be over a thirty year period. No, they'd be usually about four or five years. Right until know. the project is done. How can people get in touch with you, Lance, to get you know to join the fight uh, against this project? Uh, tell us how what website or phone number or something people can call to get more information so they can get signs in their yards or whatever. Um, we, we don't have signs yet, but we're working on it. Um, the, uh, our website is just is very simple, CobbTaxpayer.com. Cobb, Cobb Taxpayers, with an S or no? No S. Uh, no S, just CobbTaxpayer.com. Cobb, Cobb, CobbTaxpayer.com. That's CobbTaxpayer.com. Thank you so much for your time, Lance. Have a wonderful day, and God bless you. And know that if there's any extra information coming out, come here and deliver it to me so I can deliver it to the people. Um, I am totally against this. I'm a new Cobb residence. I'm in Mableton, and I do not want this one way, shape, or form. Anytime you want me back on the air, I'll come. And uh, by the way, do I do I detect a small New York accent? In Absolutely, your voice? I'm a New Yorker through and through, sure, sir. Okay, we got that in common too. I'm from New York. As Absolutely, well. I'm a New York. But see, the thing is, with our New York City transit, we built that in the 1800s, so yeah. you know it's, yeah. it, it, it was already there. Atlanta, Atlanta grew up. Beef, uh, uh, in the age of the car, not in the age of mass transit. Absolutely, so. great call, great call, uh, Lance, and thank you for joining me. Okay, thank bye you. Bye bye. When we come back. I want to talk about Iowa, and I also want to talk about um, some more politics, but some dangerous politics. That's when we come back on the Shelly Went to Show. You got to hear this. Don't forget, we go off the air at 8.30. If you want to listen to old episodes of the Shelly Went to Show, go to wsbradio.com, click on the On Demand tab, and scroll down for the Shelly Went to Show. Every show is... Shelly Winter Show, live, local, topical, relevant, coming up at 8.35, uh, Bulldogs, uh, Georgia Bulldogs, basketball. They're on a, like a 10-game winning streak, right? They were. Oh, they lost? Okay, yeah. so, so they lost one, but they're like 10-1. and one. Right, 10-1. Sure. Yeah, so they're a good team, so check it out. Check them out. Uh, they're coming up at 8.35. Let me go to my friend Alicia, Alicia, and uh, then I want to talk some politics. Hey, Alicia. Hello. 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 Hello, hello. Oh, can you hear me okay? Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Okay. Um, about transit here in Cobb County, some of the things they forget about is the national percentages of people who ride mass transit has been plummeting in recent years, right. number one. Um, only about just a little over 8% of Cobb County does mass transit at all. And... For a family, I, I looked at the statistics today. For a family of four that does the T floss, that would be over the life of 30 years, $27,500. And if you're riding so, mass transit, that's a lot of money because you don't, you can't own a car. 
So you're, we're already talking about the working poor. So you're putting a tax on the working poor, um, it, which makes no sense. Correct. And that was my point. For even a single person, it's $15,000 over the life of this piece blast on average. And, yes, the working poor, uh, first off, Cobb, Cobb doesn't have a plan at all. And if you remember, when Mike Boyce, Lisa Cupid, and Bob Weatherford were the majority, they said that our millage increase of 2018 would be more than enough for Cobb County. Absolutely. And, and since then, the indexes have increased, but the, the millage has stayed the same. So we're all paying more. And you're right. The working poor are the ones that are on the hook right now. Absolutely. Great call, Alicia. A great call. Um, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Um, great call. I mean, these people say they care, but they don't care. You're going to put a 1% uh, sales tax on people who are already struggling due to high prices of the same party they voted for and they support. It's crazy. And they'll come to churches all across the land during this year and talk about how much they care about the people. It's disgusting. Speaking of disgusting, let me tell you what my um, our representative, Marjorie Taylor Greene, did today. Um, I, I got to tell you guys something. I know a lot of you like... Um, Representative Green, Congresswoman Green. I'm not a fan. I used to be a fan, used to be friends, used to be a fan. I'm not, I, I just can't do it anymore. I, I mean, I, I do, I like her a person as a person, but I think there's too much performance art in what she does. So she went to Breitbart and she said that Governor Brian Kemp opposes, opposes launching a criminal probe into Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis. Instead, preferring an oversight committee investigation. Now, let me tell you something. The governor can't just step in and, and launch an investigation, a criminal probe into Fonnie Wills. He can't do it. I, 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 can, ask, I can ask Phil Holloway, our legal analyst of w, uh, for WSB Radio. I'll call him up and ask him and we'll address this tomorrow again. But the governor, you don't want, see, if you're a conservative, I'm so sorry about this. You don't want the government to step into local issues. You see, people always say to me, well, Shelly, you're interviewing Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You're not a real conservative. No, you know what a not a real conservative is? Someone who suggests that state government interferes with the process and the due pro and the processes, processes, excuse me, of Fulton of county government. See, because conservatives like local government. We don't like big government. That's a that's anathema to us if you're a real conservative. But it's amazing to me how so many patriots who believe in a contract on a constitution will scream and yell how they want the federal government or the state government or some large government entity to step into some smaller government entity when it does something they don't like. It's amazing to me. I'm a patriot. I believe in a constitution. Oh wait, I'm sorry, federal government, please stop that over there. State government, please step into this county business. Uh, affairs and and do what you got to do. They wrote a law, by the way, not to get rid of prosecutors that are just prosecuting people you like. They actually wrote a law to oversee, and I hated this law when it was passed. I hate it now. The law was passed to go after prosecutors who were not following the law and prosecuting criminals. That's why the law was passed. For all of you conservatives out there that want to get, get rid of Fonnie Willis, I must say to you, you're not really conservative. Because the day some Democrat gets elected, you're going to like it when they go after a Republican prosecutor who's 
doing too much prosecuting? Oh, wow, we got to get rid of this prosecutor in Rabin County because he's prosecuting black people. So let's get rid of him because that's what's going to happen because eventually a Democrat's going to win here in Georgia. And then that's going to happen, and then you all will start screaming bloody murder. Oh, my God, oh, my God, the woke people, the woke people. You see, this law was never passed to get rid of a Fonnie Willis. This law was passed to get rid of Soros-backed prosecutors, which I hate this law because it defies all the things that I believe in as a conservative. The people elected these prosecutors. You want them out? Find someone to run against them and vote them out of office. That's the way the process works. But now that the law has been passed, we're going to follow the law. There's a commission that already has an executive director. All the people are in place. Now what they're doing, Miss Green, by the way, no one in the governor's office or Chris Carr's office has received your letter that you said you sent on Friday. By the way, sister, stop playing performance art against your own people in defense of one guy running for president. It's silly, it's short-sighted, and it's just dumb. It's got to stop. Write a bill of consequence that people can sponsor that helps the constituents in your district. How about doing that? How about doing the job of writing a bill, not a bill to impeach Rashida Tlaib or to get a Rome post office renamed Harold Murphy post office. Why don't you write a bill of substance? Concentrate on the people that voted for you. Stop going to Breitbart and lying through your teeth. This is getting disgusting from all of you because it's performance art for the rubes and the dupes that like you. Yes, I call them rubes and dupes because they're asking the governor to do something he cannot simply do. Just like calling a, call a special session and cancel the election. Oh, yeah, that's a real conservative thing to do. I'm tired, people. I'm sick and tired. Donald Trump got elected in 2016, and I saw a flood of complete idiots getting into politics that have no idea what's going on. They just like one guy. And you know what? Just so you can't say I'm against conservatives, I'm going to tell you in 2008, I saw the same flood of Democrats flood into the system who absolutely knew nothing about politics and all of a sudden wanted to take over the world all because Barack Obama got elected. I saw it in 2008, and I saw it in 2016. And you know what it's done to our political situation in this country? Completely ruined it. Yes, I am all for some sort of IQ test to get a voter ID card. I am all for it. Because many of you on the left and the right would fail miserably. It's the Shelly Winter Show. I'll be back tomorrow at 7 o'clock, 7 to 10, Georgia Bulldogs. Coming up next. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.